thoughts on that news? Wow. Well, first, that's a, that's a staggering number. Yeah. I would say it's staggering as well, and it's incredibly concerning. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's Sales Strategy and Enablement Podcast. I'm Alistair Wilcock, joined by my co-host, Howard Brown, pioneer, recognized authority in AI, revenue science, behavioral change for the past 20 years. And we are thrilled to have a part two conversation with Kaylin Moore, Director of Revenue Operations at Zealous, one of the leaders in improving the economic outcomes in the healthcare space. Kaylin, welcome back. Thank you very much for having me. Hey, Kaylin. Hi. Now, we want to start off, as always, with news of the week. And, you know, Kaylin, you're in the healthcare space. Howard has a big background in the healthcare space. I would tell you, this really stood out to, to me uh, of, of a brand new national survey that was just released. I'm going to read this off to you overall. And it states that 100,000 nurses quit their jobs during the pandemic. But it is actually predicted by 2027, nearly 900,000 or almost one-fifth of the 4.5 million registered nurses in America today plan to do the same. Well, this is going to fundamentally create a, a, a crisis, a shortage in the national healthcare system in America if we don't take action. So, so because I think of that news headline, that's daunting because the nurse at the end of the day, that's the frontline care worker. That's the person that frankly, makes you feel good. They're the person that makes you realize there's a human piece of this at the end of my treatment. They're the people that we remember largely in terms of successful outcomes. And if 20% of RNs quit by 2027, you know, can virtual nursing fill the gap? Does automation come in? You know, how does automation help fill the deficit? How do we look at this from an engagement perspective, a tooling perspective, a data perspective? to allow the nurses that are left to be more successful. Thoughts on that news? You know, I, wow. Well, first, that's a, that's a staggering number. My first thought is, I mean, we need to act now. I think, and I'm, you know, sure there are people smarter than me thinking of, you know, solutions to this. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, especially since the pandemic with the rise of telehealth, you know, and having to, you know, visit your doctor over, you know, FaceTime or, you know, over your computer. You know, I, I think we're already somewhat adjusted to that just based on what we've, we went through with COVID. But, you know, where I get concerned is that human element that can AI replace that? Because, you know, there's that piece of healthcare where, you know, I, I used to work for a CEO who would always say, you know, healthcare is something that just happens to people. You know, you don't wake up one day and, you know, think you're going to break your arm or, you know, you're not walking around, God forbid, like thinking you're going to get cancer one day. I mean, you, you, it's a, it's a disruptive thing and you want that human element to the, the caregiving experience. So I'm not sure what that answer is, but it, it is a bit, a bit concerning. Yeah, I would say it's staggering as well, and it's incredibly concerning. When you think about the mortality rates actually going up in this country, 
over the last few years, combined with the fact that we have an aging population that will need more care. Absolutely. It's really scary. And, you know, on a personal level, I have my father's in an Alzheimer's care facility and the nurses there are angels. They can't exist without the people taking care of all of his needs as if he's a three-year-old. Most recently, my mom, a week and a half ago, she broke her hip and, uh, and, and spent the last seven plus days in a hospital and now needs 24-7 around-the-clock care um, because there are no facilities, rehabilitation facilities that are available. And trying to find her a nurse and a quality nurse has been a unbelievable challenge. So I don't know what the solution is, but, but it needs to be better pay, better benefits, better automation in terms of like all of the stuff that yeah. they're forced to do, all of the paperwork they're forced to fill out. You know, we, we need to look at this in a holistic way and think about we're, we're, we're using automation to help a lot of people with a lot of different things. If we don't think about automation, how we can help, forget the patients, help the nurses yeah. do their job more effectively, more efficiently, then we're going to have a much bigger health crisis that, you know, unfortunately is going to lead to much higher mortality rates and tragedy. So I love that you're bringing this up, Alistair. And I think that, you know, all of us in technology, all of us in healthcare, all of us as human beings need to think about those frontline workers because they're the ones that we turn to when times are the hardest, when times are the worst. And if we don't invest in that now, we will, unfortunately, we're going to see some awful results from it. That's a depressing news ending, Howard. You're usually on the up and up. But, but, I, but I think you are bang on. And I want to connect the dots here for, for our audience here, right? Because it's a, it is a major crisis. Like, I, I, I don't even say that hyperbolically. It, it really is daunting there. But I think, Howard, you're spot on. Look, pay is always one part of it. Investment in technology that will automate the mundane tasks to allow nurses to do what they do best. Kaylin, I think as zealous, and you, know, you solve the administrative burden side, nurses have countless amount of administrative tasks so that much. they have to deal with on any given day. If you could get rid of that, that's huge. Like, just picking on, like, I'll give you a microcosm of an example. The Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, which is, which is quite prolific in the healthcare space, said that by just simply reducing readmission rates by 20%, we could save the healthcare system another $15 billion annually. Take the, you know, the 900,000 nurses that want to quit their job, invest $15 billion by actually adjusting paperwork administration side of it and, and reducing readmission rates and getting better outcomes out of that patient care by allowing the nurses to do what nurses do best, engage and talk. So as you think of zealots, how are you guys pioneering? How are you shifting to this future of just, just taking away the administrative overhead and burden from the system? And I think that's frontline with nurses. I also think it's all the back office function to give the capital that Howard's referencing so we can reinvest into value-based patient outcome care. 
thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, to your point of you think of all the things that nurses do on a daily basis and the number of hours that they put in. I mean, it seems silly that whatever percent of their job is these administrative functions that if we just invested, you know, a portion of this money into their work and making their lives easier, that you could see those types of savings. I mean, it's a no brainer, you know, and so I think that's what is just, it's key. It's looking at where are people spending, you know, X amount of their time. How can we make, you know, your lives easier to make it so that you can go into work every day and do what you want to do and why you wanted to be a nurse in the first place? You mm -hmm. know, I think that the, the people who who wanted to be or want to be nurses and are doing their jobs and going in every single day. I mean, they, they are angels. They are, you know, amazing people. Yeah. And the last thing you want to do is burden them with tasks or functions that make them question, gosh, do I want to worry about this? I mean, you it, it's so hard to find, you know, people who, who want to have this job. It's a hard job to have. Yeah. So why wouldn't we be trying to make their lives easier? I mean, that's that's a no brainer. I'll, I'll give you an example again, because I'm living this right now with my mom and having a nurse at the house. She writes down my mom's oxygen level. My mom's on oxygen. So she has to mark down the oxygen. She has to, every time she changes, you know, any of the linens, any of that stuff, she has to write it down. All the medications my mom is on, she has to write it. And you know where she's writing it? On a notepad. Yeah. She's writing all of it on a notepad. The devices aren't smart devices, so they don't give readings to a central system. She's writing it down. And then she has to go home on her time and then fill out all the paperwork in yeah. the system so that she's in compliance. And then she has to submit her hours and like it's all manual. And by the way, she's got a family to take care of at home as well, right? And and now she's got to do her time to do all of the paperwork, all of the administrative. That's ridiculous. We can't build an iPad that has all of these settings. We can't set the oxygen meters so that it automatically uh, like sends that information. It just seems so antiquated. She has to report to the doctor. The doctor gives her orders. They have to call each other back and forth and leave voicemails because she may be busy helping my mom to the bathroom. It seems incredibly ridiculous. It is ridiculous. It is antiquated. And if we want to help people who are on the front line, these angels, can we please take some of the technology that we're all building and help people right now that need it because those are the people that are helping each of us. It may sound dark, Alistair, and I agree, but healthcare is a, right now, it's it's desperately in need of the innovations that we're all creating. We just need to focus a little bit of attention there before the crisis gets worse. And Kaylin, as you think of Zealous and you think of your roadmap and you think of what you're doing internally, can you shed some light on us of how you're how you plan on easing and accelerating the ease of that administrative burden? Like, well, what are the key things that we can do in this system to solve this problem? And and how does you know the enablement and the the sales strategy and all of that come into play on some of this as well? Yeah, you know, it, 
It's a good question. I, I think where a lot of our focus has been, it's making the act of shopping for care accessible to everyone, Lord. right? I mean, I think that people want to know that they have choices and that the choices they have are, are they're good options, right? I, I mean, I think that how many times do you hear about people who say that they you know, don't like the health plan that they're on or they don't like, you know, their network, whatever it is, their benefits. What we're trying to do is make it so that people feel that healthcare, quality healthcare is accessible and it's available to everybody. You know, that's that's such a critical thing. And I, I feel very fortunate being in the enablement space and, you know, RevOps and that I can directly affect all these different areas, whether it's product, whether it's sales, whether it's finance, helping people make smart decisions to get to that goal of making sure that this care, quality care is accessible for everyone. I think smart decisions is an interesting thing. So can, can we double click on that? Because it's a great two-word choice. What are examples of smarter decisions that would drive the automation? Because the automation, again, that's where we free up the capital, the capital to reinvest the capital to move to you know, a more value-based uh, system. Um, so, so as you guys are thinking about that, like how, how, are, how are you channeling? I'm sure every single day you get hit with be more efficient, drive more efficiency, drive something out there. How do you do that internally? And then how do you apply those principles externally as well? Sure. So, you know, I think internally I'll go back to just making sure that everyone who needs the data has access to the data that they need, making it more automated, right? So that we don't have to rely on just emails and phone calls so that I'm setting our leaders up for success so they can make the decisions to reinvest in our products and what we're providing the member. You know, you, you, you've also got the component of, you know, you want to make sure that the health plan is, you know, saving money. And, you know, there's that whole financial component of the, the industry. But I always tend to lean towards, you know, it's all about the member experience. And it's kind of a buzzword right now in the industry, but it truly is. I mean, it's you want to make sure that people feel like their access to care is, you know, consistent they can go, you know, see the doctor that they want to see. They, they're able to go to, you know, nearby pharmacies and get their prescription filled and they're not, you know, going to be paying an arm and a leg for whatever it is. So, you know, I think internally we need to be smart about financial decisions, but at the heart of everything we do, it needs to be about the member and and their experience. And Howard, I think like, we live in an experience-based culture today. Mm -hmm. I think Caitlin's bang on. Yeah, and that's front and center in healthcare. Everything you've been describing about your mom's unfortunate condition, you've been describing the experience that person's had to go through. And you know, when we think of engagement, we now look at AI, we look at generative, we look at all of these things that you know, these aren't incremental changes of experience. These are 10x changes we're making in the industry now. And that's gonna that's gonna improve the efficiency. It's gonna change the way virtual healthcare is delivered. And if we can deliver it more efficiently, we can give more optionality to the market. Kalen's word, more choice and what Zealous is trying to do. Increase choice, drives costs down, away we go. 
you know, you're an expert in building experiences that experience culture. Like how, how are you seeing this progressing in healthcare? I see it in healthcare and everything else that we as consumers uh, demand. We we demand an experience that's tailored and contextual with uh, interactions that have our history with the company. If you're collecting data on me, don't just use that to market to me. Use that data to provide a better experience. That is critical. And if you're just collecting it so that you can sell me something else, you're missing the mark. Because companies today that provide the best consumer experience, best doctor experience, best brand experience, those are the companies that will stand out and will outperform all their peers. I, as a consumer, only want to do business with companies that value me as an individual, that think about my time and the amount of time I have to wait on hold or wait to get the answers or care I need. If you're a business and you're not building your entire growth strategy around me, the consumer, you're going to be left behind. It has to be about those engagements, those one-to-one interactions. I have to be, and I don't mean me in a narcissistic way, us as consumers need to be the center of every business model. So if you're building a RevOps engagement model, if you're building a customer support success model, start at the customer, end with the customer, think about obsess on your customer because as time goes on, those tailored experiences are a must. They're not an option, they are a must. And speaking of experiences, Moments, our real-time technology just hit me and said, it is break time to shift on to our next section. And there we sit there. Kaylin, are you ready for this week's trivia? So ready. Let's do this. Let's go. All right. So as we go, remember, we're going to give you three predictions. And you need to guess which one is correct. By 2025, it's predicted that artificial intelligence will be able to diagnose diseases with the same accuracy as human doctors. By 2026, it is reported that AI will be able to predict the likelihood of patients developing Alzheimer's disease. Mm. By 2030, it is predicted that AI and generative models will be able to increase the likelihood of successful patient diagnosis of developing cancer proactively. See, all the years I feel like you listed, it's going to be, I feel like it's happening today. <laughs> I don't know if it's that far out. It's it's all happening really quickly, isn't it? Like we're talking everything within the next few years. Yeah. Um, I'll say number two. Well, you are a fantastic reader of predictions because two is right. A recent Forbes article uh, based on uh, recent studies released suggested that AI models will, in fact, be able to improve and predict the likelihood of Alzheimer's being developed and tested by 2026 within the next 36 months. And uh, on a personal note, not, not to tear jerk Howard, but as somebody that lives that with his father, I am so excited about that advancement that we are able to get ahead of these debilitating diseases and you know nothing better 
than proactive care. Well, let's figure out how to solve for it. Let's figure out how to cure it. Let's turn these AI models, all this data into a cure so that people, it's one thing to diagnose it. It's another thing to cure it. And so I am I implore all of you data scientists, I implore all of you thinking about healthcare, let's solve for that problem because that problem also is a tremendous burden on families, on nurses, on the healthcare system, on all of us, and it will touch all of us. So Alistair, I appreciate you bringing up that statistic. It's it's something that you know I obviously care a lot about. I think we all care and should care a lot about. I think that there is a massive opportunity to change healthcare as we know it. And I'm so excited we got to spend this time with you, Kaylin. It sounds like you're doing incredible work and it's been an honor and pleasure to spend time with you. And it's now been twice. So thank you. No, thank you both. This has been fantastic. And to our audience, go hug a nurse today. Tell them Kaylin's story. Tell them what Zealous is up to. Tell them the automation is on the way to get rid of the mundane tasks and encourage them to stay in the job because goodness knows we all need them. Kaylin, thanks for you doing in the automation space, how you're helping on the sales strategy and enablement. And to our audience, don't forget to like and subscribe. Call Howard and I on the hotline, leave your questions, and we'll do our best to address them in a future episode. Thanks so much. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.